This week on the Triathlete Hour, we've got a quick preview of the race in Roth, world champion versus world champion. And then we're talking to another world champ, the legend Nicola Spierig. Nicola talks to us from her home in Switzerland as she nears the end of her final season and retirement. She tells us about what her goals have been in this final year, which of her five Olympics was her favorite, and how she actually never intended to be a pro triathlete for this long. The Swiss star and Olympic gold medalist started triathlon when she was just a kid. Her dad coached her for 15 years, and she ultimately won six European championships. So what will she do now? And what does training look like when she's all done with triathlon? All of that after this short break. What if I told you that you could go harder for longer and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece? The Airwave Endurance Performance Mouthpiece is a new breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with peer-reviewed research to open your airway by up to 25% for improved breathing. This results in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate and a 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. As a partner of USA Triathlon, Airwave is offering our listeners 15% off with the code TH15. Get yours today and put Airwave to the test. All right, Sid, you're in Roth. You're here to tell us about Roth. We're going to preview Roth. It's all. And so here's my biggest question. When I get there and I'm like asking people at the train station, like, how do I do I have to say rote or will they like not understand me? Oh, good question. (laughs) I would. Yeah, Um, I would go with rote to start with, just like show willing. And then they might probably reply to you in English or something and say, oh, you're going to Roth. <laughs> it's always the debate, yeah. isn't it, between like the the locals and the and the foreigners, I think. But I think I would go with rope. I have been laughing yes. that I mean, let's just accept that like challenge European races for Americans, you like can't even figure out what day they're on from their website. You like there's no information. No. It's indecipherable. Maybe if I spoke German it would make but it I can't figure anything out. No, no. And I was like, I can't no. even it must be one. It must be a different audience because I can't imagine like the US Ironman audience being like, oh, that's cool. I don't really know what's happening. No, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. I think they must. They see everyone seems to know what goes up, what happens over here. So it must be like they, it's just a different. Yeah. Different viable style. I think every. Yeah. Probably the US is they're so used to the the McDonald's yeah. formula, I guess, like the the Iron Man is like it's the same whatever it is and you just know when you turn up and it's a little bit more local flavor i guess with the with the challenge races in europe which is pretty cool like the locals really get behind it which is awesome it is a yeah. it's a little stressful from this end which is why we're obviously sending which is why yeah. we're sending someone this year because we're like oh it is kind of a mystery to americans like how this all works but i was yeah. like i got a very german email that was like do not worry about water temperature we will have more information that was like okay yeah 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 they will control the water te- like i think there's been years obviously it's it's predominantly a wetsuit swim i don't i'm not sure they've ever had a year in history where it's not because you swim in a canal and it's um barge gates or sluice gates whatever you call it so they pretty much can shut the gates so there's no flow either in the canal on race morning and um they can flush it through with colder water to bring the temperature back down to what it needs to be to uh, for a, a wetsuit swim and because you know it's it's rough and just people come here for those fast times right. they they want it to be a wetsuit swim so yeah they'll do everything they everything they can to make that happen i'm coming for a fast time's the only reason i got talked into yep. doing there we go. this yeah. this year <laughs> 
<laughs> I would say the other thing to you, anyone coming over from overseas, like you, yeah, obviously, duh, it's in Germany, but like we walked into the, the bakery today having just arrived, which is the Schmidt Bakery, which is like the, the chain of bakeries here, but it's kind of pretty much the place where you can get like, I mean, the bread's amazing here, but like salads and food and all sorts of stuff. We, pen- we tend to hang out in the Schmidt Bakeries most of the time while we're here. Um, I did make my first faux pas of thinking I was ordering the right coffee and then because just coffee's not quite great in Germany I will say that but I thought I'd ordered my espresso macchiato which it said on the on the on the menu and I got this like full tall glass of milky latte latte or whatever it was which so I kind of need to get back into the right mode of ordering the right coffee here in Germany but we're saying that is we sort of went up there and they they said something German and I was with Belinda Granger. We both sort of looked blankly. I started speaking Spanish nice, as nice. you do. I, ne- I can never freaking speak Spanish when I'm in Spain, but you know, when you're in another yeah. country, suddenly you remember all these women in Spain and they just sort of beckoned this other woman over and she just spoke like perfect <laughs> English to us. <laughs> and, reply. And, was, and so that, yeah, most of the people here, I mean, their English is, oh, yeah. is very good. And the, the event like obviously operates predominantly in English. Well, no, obviously predominantly in Germany, but a lot of in it English. is English spoken. So this yeah. is my theory. Yeah. I'm just going to show up and hope someone can like point me yeah. towards the right train. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know it'll be easy because it's German efficiency. Mm-hmm. So like everything operates pretty well. So the trains and everything, it's all it's all fairly well run. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna demystify Roth for people. Wrote for people. Yeah. And uh, and and we were going to preview it this week. So obviously, I mean, besides the fact that you're obviously going to win, Sid, clearly. <laughs> yeah, obviously. obviously. <laughs> uh, clearly. clearly. That's the preview, da- preview done. <laughs> no one else is racing. Nope. I'm the only one. Yeah. But the, so the men's race is like pretty yeah. stacked now. Um, so we have Jan Ferdino yeah. coming, but no one's totally sure where he's at. Like... Yeah, I mean, at one point with with Jan announcing that he was coming to race Roth, um, it was kind of like Patrick Langer, who's obviously world champion and has won here. Sebi Kinlay, world champion and has won here. Jan Fadino, world champion and has won here. So it was going to be a pretty big battle. Add in there like Sam Mm -hmm. Long and Magnus Ditlev, like the young young guns coming up. Fortunately, Sebi's pulled out and he, you could tell he was just gutted. Yeah. Like, it's such a big race for the Germans. And he said he's going to still like, be there. And so I'm trying to convince He's still yeah. going to be here. Yeah. Trying to convince him yeah. to take over our triathlete mag Instagram. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. That yeah. would be good. That'd be very yeah. funny. I think he'd do a good job. But obviously, like, he's obviously already announced his sort of in his mm-hmm. final year and was doing the races that he loves. So it's, it, he, he is yeah it's gutting he's not going to be actually on the race course but uh he'll be, yeah he'll be here and if he does the takeover that will be very fun um yeah jan we're just not really sure what i mean jan doesn't normally like step up to yeah. the start line unless he is 100 confident yeah. he's gonna win yeah. but i i don't know I, he's already sort of said that he might not finish right which was very weird for him um, i saw that he did say he's yeah. like i'm ready i'm he said obviously i'm going full fit like i'm going with the full intent but i'm gonna listen to my body if on the run like it's not yeah. respond i'm major i'm like willing to drop yeah. out which like he doesn't yeah he doesn't say that he doesn't no. normally exactly so um so that's like a little bit odd um and so we're not yeah there's a bit of a mystery hanging over him but you know it's yeah and he could the gun could fire i i i'm pretty convinced he's in fantastic swim and bike right. shape 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe so far or tries to get so far off the front mm-hmm. on the swim and the bike that then when he runs, he's got maybe a little bit of time to play with. I don't know. It feels like, and this is complete projecting. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it feels like he's either there to take back his world record or, like, go out on a, like, announce his, like, and, uh, you know. I, that, again. Projecting. I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard that. I haven't spoken to him about that. Yeah, well, you know, obviously he well he's not in Girona anymore, but um, you know, I do obviously see him a little bit, but again, that's my speculation and I was I, I'm gonna confirm he has no, not said no. that. That's nothing that he's said. Complete or speculation. He's implied. Wild speculation. This is complete speculation. Yeah. I feel a little bit like that. He's either going for the record, um, or he's yeah, going on out. top. Going out yeah. on top. Yeah. Or not maybe not going out, just going mm-hmm. out at a race he loves, like and the German fans, and this is the race he's chosen to do that, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. So we'll anyway. see, we'll yeah. see. It is going to be a good race yeah. though, and Lenga obviously is in good form too. I mean, that's my understanding again, like from yeah from the Strava and the Instagram. Again, yeah. it's it's hard with Lenga, cause, yeah, because he obviously didn't race St George because right. he had that crash right. and. Um, but you know, again, never one to write no. off if on the on the day and on that big race, and again the German guy and. Then you put Sam Long in there that's like, I think, going to be a kid in the sweet shop, just like overexcited about being in Europe and everything that's going on. And he's already ridden, you know, the bike court, whatever it is. So um, he, I think, needs to sort of like just calm his, <laughs> calm his, calm himself down. And then you have like Magnus um, Ditlev, you have a couple other people. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Charles Barclay's uh, other half, Reese's, is yes, racing. I saw him down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the other one, I think, like, is Cam Brown, mm-hmm. which, right. you know, he turned. He had his 50th birthday three or four days ago. I can't really remember, but he was here. So it's 20 years celebrating Challenge Wrote this mm-hmm. year. And I think Cam was here kind of like that first year, 20 years ago. So I think that's a pretty cool story. And Cam Brown's just like the consummate professional. Yeah. Like he'll, yeah. That's cool. And it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, the 20th anniversary cool. is part of why we wanted to send somebody too. But then I was like, and apparently yeah. it's actually been around since, I mean, we did a story about this since 84 in some form. Yeah. It was like a local race. And yeah. then it was Ironman Europe for like yeah. 15 years. Um, yeah. And then, and then they, they part ways. <laughs> yeah. They split. Yeah. 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 So, and uh, when it was Ironman Europe, it was only like the third or fourth Ironman in the world. Something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge now and they've always always got that kind of battle between now when they split and obviously then Ironman Frankfurt started mm-hmm. and Challenge Road and there's always a bit of a battle between them. They're normally either, yeah, one week apart and they're both massive German races and get the coverage. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. 20 years they've got, again, as always, live stream. It's on national TV. Oh, interesting. The lo- yeah, the locals love it. The Yeah, everyone. I think just... Like I said, I've been with my homestay for six years now, hmm. um, and she's came. She's been to visit me in Girona. Um, I've been to her son's graduation. <laughs> I've, you know, like because you because you've grown up with them. Like I, you know, I went to his. He was, I think, in the second year I was here. His appendix burst. I visited him hospital, kind of thing, and. And then you get to know like and like all some of her friends, and they're like, oh, they've got this athlete this year and this athlete this year, and um, it's a really cool. It's so unique. I think is the word. It's unique and special 
vibe and when you come well we'll see because i'm going to tell you i'm going to write a story does it live up to the hype that's my that's my whole point yeah 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 but then okay so then the men's race is obviously pretty stacked women's race is slightly smaller and hog is back and i think one of the big things i mean over here in the u.s that got kind of missed last year was her performance at roth like yes there's a lot of people who would argue it was kind of one of the big performances of the year last year and it just got a little overshadowed and I would definitely argue that. argue that. And the bike course yeah. was short, yeah. so it was hard to really judge and like note like how it stacked up. Yeah, I think it, it was. But even if you added, or I know we can go over that <laughs> argument again. But I've done it plenty of times and got nowhere with the uh, statisticians and the points rankings. But even if you added on, like plenty of time for a really slow 10k so it was 10k short the bike course which they advertised Mm -hmm. it wasn't a con it was that because they because the race was postponed till september um when it's normally in july the they normally work with the local um, construction local government and construction and there were roadworks on the course which normally would come after the race and it was postponed so it was during the race so they had to change the, the bike course it was 10k short they advertised it but even if you added on that 10k on a bike at the time she was riding you know at the pace she was riding and the rest of us and even added on like slowed her marathon down by a few minutes she would have still broken Chrissy Wellington's record on this course and I don't think anyone's really like acknowledged no. or appreciated that performance was so I think that's probably like, her just goal ridiculous don't you think so I would ima- well I just think her goal is... I don't think she probably is totally happy with her race in St. George. Right, right, right. Um, uh, you know, losing the world championship title, but also just, I think, like, again, not getting the acknowledgement of that performance last year and stuff. So I I think oh, you need to be very afraid of any <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> I think she's out on... I, I would imagine she's out on a mission, yes. All right, and then, and then obviously yeah. you're racing. And then we have... Yes. Uh, would you, who'd you tell me? Judith Corcoran? So, is who's, well, so Fenella, Fenella Langridge mm-hmm. is down. So that's the three of us that were podium last year. And Fenella and I have had a few battles <laughs> over the last couple of races here in Roth and then also in St. George. So I'm, I'm pretty sure her time is, or my time is up maybe compared to her. Um, so Fenella's down. I think she'll be fired up as well. And then, yes, Judith Karachan, who's a Spanish mm. athlete, I think she's probably going under the radar. She doesn't race... She races a lot locally and in Spain and stuff. She did, she did do Ironman New Zealand a couple of years ago and did like a real like the fastest run time and got her Kona slot, mm. which was the Kona for St right, George, right. but then never came to St George and chose to stay in Europe and race. Um, but she's really solid, strong athlete across all swim, bike, and run. Um, and I think she'll probably be going under the radar, and a lot of people won't kind of know too much about her. Um, and who else have you got? Maya Stage Nelson. Right. Um, and Rebecca Clark, I think, are the other two kind Rebecca of Clark. key people. Yeah. 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 So there's a, there's a str- I would say there is a stronger swim element to this race than possibly normal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Which is awesome. Which is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> well, can't wait. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got, yeah, I mean, I think there's maybe 13 or 14 of us. So you've got then. Um, Elizabeth Corridori, who's Italian, and you've got some of the some more local mm-hmm. athletes and Europeans. Um, unfortunately, Laura Zimmerman was going to race, but she's pulled out with injuries and stuff. And then also Sarah Spanks, who mm. pulled out of St George, and I don't think is quite back got it. back to fitness, but was had been planning to race. So yeah, 
However, having said that, because Challenge doesn't have a cutoff for entries, I'm oh, fully really? expecting... Oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. I think there may be a couple of late additions okay. to the men and the, the male and the female start list as a result of people who maybe DNF'd in Frankfurt oh. last weekend. That's an interesting point. So that's happened a couple of times. Like one year, Daniela Reef literally entered like the week before. Hmm. Um, and then also, I think another year, Danielle Blamel might have entered super late as well. Well, she just won a DNF in Frank. But she, she won yeah, Frank. She won, so, so she won't I wouldn't be, imagine yeah, yeah. she'll be coming. But I think keep an eye out on the men and the fem- male and female size for anyone who may be didn't have the race they wanted or finished early for whatever reasons in Frankfurt. That's always nice to have a backup, right? Like when you... Yeah. yeah. But it yeah. also is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, eh, maybe I'll do an Ironman this weekend. Maybe I won't. Yeah, whatever. Maybe I won't. Yeah, Fine. exactly. Yeah. I'm like, surely? <laughs> surely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, all right. It'll be, you know, it'll be what it is. It'll be interesting. We will be on the ground. Uh, maybe we'll find Sebi, give him, give him our phone, make him Instagram. And... Uh, yeah. If I see him in the next few days, I'll uh, I'll say, "Oh, I hear you doing the triathlete <laughs> magazine Instagram." And what, like, what? what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I heard it's all signed and yeah, sealed. totally. <laughs> so we will be reporting back from the after party yes. after the race. Yes, and I'll be editing anything <laughs> that says anything bad about this race because it is the best race. <laughs> Noted. Okay. Well, I'll see. I will be there soon. Yeah. See you soon. See you soon. Safe travels all right this week we're talking to nicola spierig five-time olympian two-time olympic medalist and nicola i know you've said you're retiring at the end of this year are you still going to exercise when you retire that's what and what are you most looking forward to with uh not being a pro triathlete anymore <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, the answer is yes. I will still exercise because I'm just not feeling good if I don't do anything. I, I have to be active even after my career. That's clear. But I won't do any races anymore. Or definitely in the first um, time, I'm looking forward to not racing and to have more time with the family and different different time. Different. With the I know some people they retire and you know they're used to 40 hours a week so they're still doing 20 hours because because that's just like less. <laughs> yes um, I think it won't be that much just because of uh, time right. reasons like I see my life already filling up again afterwards with other stuff and as I said with things I want to do with the kids and um going on holidays without the bike case and and things like that so it might not be that much but um yeah i see myself definitely half an hour in the morning where i just do my training so as i said that i feel comfortable that i'm also have time to to think and i i use training as well as just uh time for myself a little bit of me time so um i'm looking forward to still having that after it sounds like the thing you're most looking forward to is Time with the kids, vacations, family, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not saying I don't have a lot of time. I think we are really privileged in the life we mm-hmm. have now because my husband, we changed roles. My husband is mainly at home and has the main responsibility for the kids. But I also always see them after every training session. So it's not like I don't <laughs> see them a lot, but... It's it's kind of I can't have a day just with them and doing 
um, like going a day somewhere without squeezing your training in the morning and squeezing your training in, in, in the evening and uh, making sure I'm not getting too tired. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to having more relaxed days oh. with them and doing sports with them, uh, including them in, in are they triath- Are they into swimming and biking and running too? Um, the, 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 the little two are still small. They're five and three <laughs> years. So not really. Like they, they like the water. We love to go to the pool, um, but not training in the sense of really swimming. And um, yeah, they, they're active. Um, they go to little things but um, we we would actually be glad if they f- would find another okay. sports um they like <laughs> they don't need to be um triathletes if, if it goes after us and now you know that you're kind of retiring there's been a lot of looking back over your career and it's you know 30 years of being kind of at the top and so i wanted to kind of go all the way back and, and talk about it. you got into it when you were just 10 years old i think that's when you did your first triathlon with your dad right how how did you kind of yeah. even get started <laughs> Um, well, my my brother was doing one run race a year, and my sister was in a swim club. And both my parents were sports teachers. My uncle and my my father did some triathlons just mm-hmm. for fun. So I guess yeah, it was the family, like getting me to to do a triathlon. Um, it was a little like a school championships okay. kind of um, thing, and. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I found it really interesting to have the three disciplines in one one sport. And your dad, uh, he was—I mean, he—he he was a triathlete. He was even your coach for a really long time when you were coming up, right? Exactly. Yes, he he coached me for fifteen oh. years. So he actually made me an Olympian. Um, coached me until after the Olympic Games in Athens. So um, I think it's not easy to to coach a young athlete through puberty to make it a good elite athlete. And so she has still fun doing, doing what she does. And so he was, he did a really, really good job. And uh, obviously you went kind of up through all the development ranks. How did you stay, you know, motivated, having fun, like you said, for all those years? Um, Mainly sports is Mm -hmm. my passion. I just love, and I think that's what my family and my parents showed me when I was young, I could just try out so many sports and I just found the love of being active and, and, and yeah, do any sports. Basically, we went skiing a lot and snowboarding and I played basketball mm-hmm. for a long time. It was pretty good there, but of course too small. Um, so that's, I, I just, my passion is sports. And then I need, I, I love challenges. I, I love high goals. So Having, for example, the Olympics every four years, that really motivated me to to focus, to see how where my limits are and to, to really train hard. Okay. Is there ever a point, like I don't really know how Swiss development works. Was there a point where it went from, okay, you're just a kid playing to like, okay, now you're in the Olympic pipeline. It's super serious. Yes. Well, I was always um, sticking to my education. Mm. So I always went to school normally. Um, I, I studied afterwards. I did my law studies, just um, interrupted it sometimes for, for the Olympics. <laughs> but there was a point when I was 17 and um, triathlon got in the Olympic right. program in Sydney. And I was sometimes beating the third athlete from Switzerland who went to, to Sydney so that was the point where I thought, well, maybe, maybe actually next time I could go to the Olympics. And that's basically started my right. Olympic dream. Yeah, okay. 
And uh, I know you have said that you never imagined going to five Olympics. You thought you might do like one, two, and be done. Um, did you kind of just each step along the way be like, well, maybe one more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought I would stop when I was uh, 30. And just, um, as I said, I was basically had my studies as a lawyer. So I just imagined working normal as a lawyer after that. Um, and that, that was the Olympics in London. It would have been my third Olympics. And my husband and myself were already also planning to have a family after that. And so I got pregnant and I was I was really happy with my career. So I, I was ready to to finish it. But then somehow I started training again. My husband had a uh, had a hundred percent job and we realized that there was no way that would be working like him having a hundred percent job and me trying to train properly. So I told him I'm really happy to to end my career, no problem. <coughs> and that was the point where he then said, "Well, I don't. My job at the moment is not what I dreamed of. I'm I'm not so into it, so much into it. So I'm happy to quit the job and look after the okay. kids." And and so I was like, "Oh well, well we could do that, and I I could just continue training and see how it goes." And that's what happened. And we were just. I think it was a good way for for our family to move mm-hmm. forward. I I really still enjoyed doing the training, and I I still was good at it. And I just saw it as a plus, and and really appreciated to to have some more years where the family worked well like that, and my husband not working meant we could do training camps together. They could uh, accompany me, so it worked. He's really a well. triathlete too, right? Exactly, yes. He went to three Olympics himself. He's vice world champion, <laughs> European champion. So he knows, uh, I don't have to explain him how this well, pretty special life works. And that's that's a big advantage that he knows what's needed. So you, like you, you said a few times, you even in the midst of all this, you got your law degree in between Olympics. You, and you, uh, <laughs> are you, have you used it? Have you ever gone and practiced? Are you going to practice law now? No. <laughs> no, I actually never used it. That was like the plan didn't go as I, I thought. And I finished it, but I never worked uh, on it. I was I was sometimes pretty happy that I had this law mm-hmm. degree. Um, first of all, as a security, I just felt having a good education lifted a lot of pressure. I could concentrate on, on sports afterwards without being worried about what's after. Like I knew I had a good education. I could always get a, a decent job. So that helped me a lot. And also like just little things like uh, sponsor contracts and stuff. Oh, I interesting. Was glad to to know about the, yeah, the, the, the important points. Did you ever like go through the contracts, come back with some legal questions? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm also glad that I have some lawyer <laughs> friends. So because I probably know the problems, but <coughs> <coughs> sorry about that. I probably know the problems, but um. I'm yeah. I'm also glad to to go to a real lawyer right. to ask uh, what's actually best. Uh, it sounds like you just kind of you know kept doing what made sense each time. Uh, you know, each step at the time. Um, looking back though, does it seem like oh, like it's looking back? It seems like this like long career that like was very deliberate, right? But it sounds like you just kind of went as you went. Yes. Um, As I said, like in the beginning, I never planned to go to five Olympics. I couldn't imagine to to stay in the sports that long or to achieve 
going to five Olympics and winning two medals. That was looking back, that's pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I just, um, set myself a goal and did everything to, to reach that. And then we sat together and, and worked on like, what, what do I want or what do we want most, uh, in our lives? And that at, at some, sometimes that was, uh, having a kid. Sometimes it was a marriage that there's, I think I went or I stayed in the sports for that long because I also have another mm -hmm. life, a life outside of sports. I I also fulfilled my dreams and goals outside of sports, mm -hmm. like with the studies, with the kids, with a husband, a house, like, and that really helped mm -hmm. because I have a, have a very nice life, very full life um, and very stable life. That makes sense. I mean, because like you also said before, like after that, after you had your first kid, you didn't even think you were necessarily going to come back. Um, yeah. And now, you know, it's more common for people to, to come back after having kids, but I don't think it was as common then. Yes, it was definitely different back then. Uh, there weren't, there, I wasn't the first athlete doing it, and um, I was, um, it really helped to contact other mm -hmm. athletes who have done it beforehand, uh, just to know their ex experiences. Um, but yeah, I just didn't know um, how my body would react and, and how my mind would react if I would actually even want to continue, um, if I would have the desire to, to compete again after having a kid, because definitely like priorities mm -hmm. change, um, family comes first afterwards, and um, that changes everything. Out of the five Olympics, obviously the sprint finish with Lisa Norden is like the most famous one, but is that actually your favorite one like which one do you look back on <laughs> oh that's a difficult question um it, it was definitely amazing like london <coughs> um london was amazing also because of the atmosphere because of the spectators because of the it was like such a good experience so Yes, I think it's my favorite together with the silver medal in Rio because um, I think I did everything perfectly in Rio and like being a mom, um, being the defendant champion and having a crash beforehand and a serious injury made it so much harder mm. to win a medal. And I felt that that made it, made it really emotional to have the family there. To, right to actually win another medal a second time and show that I'm not just uh, a one-time winner. It was it was really special to me. I remember watching you and Gwen uh, on that run and you were saying something to her and I don't... Uh, we've always wondered what it was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little conversation. <laughs> well, I was... Gwen was actually... Um, since four years, she was unbeaten if she got off the bike uh, with the first pack. So we knew she would be really, really hard mm -hmm. to beat. Um, and of course, I tried to get away, away on a bike, but it didn't work. And so my coach before the race said, well, if you go on the run course with Gwen, you need to find a way to get her out of her rhythm to even have a chance to beat her. And so... We we started running and I was just hanging on for my dear life. It was so hard, but I was I actually thought, well, as as long as I could hang on, um, the gap between us two and the the third and the and the fourth athlete got right. bigger. So I thought, well, at least that's a good <laughs> good thing. 
But she, halfway, she seemed to be um, surprised that someone was still there. So she told me to lead. And I was happy so I could slow down a little bit. And I was like, okay, I go in front. I I do my pace. But um, after a while, we got into the headwind. And I knew if I would continue to lead and she attacked, I would have no chance. So I got back to her and said, oh, now it's your turn to lead again. And I knew we had 25 seconds on on third and and fourth. So I knew I had probably about 10 seconds to... to, um, do something to get her out of her rhythm, but not more, <laughs> otherwise uh, the other ones would catch us. So she said, no, no, I was leading before, it's your turn. And, and my answer was just like, well, yeah, but I already have a gold medal, so it's your turn to work. And that was our conversation while we were basically standing still and I thought, oh, I have 10 seconds to do this and then I have to really move on to not be caught from the other one. That's funny. But um, yeah, it it was good. I I just tried everything and she was faster in the end, but I really felt I... I really tried everything to win and was happy. Yeah, it sounds like you, uh, you're constantly using that analytical brain the whole time, constantly thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have been part of, obviously, some pretty iconic moments, like the sprint finish with Lisa Norton. Now, you know, we have had a few more photo finishes, but I feel like at the time, I mean, they had to go to a photo finish, and I don't think they really knew how to do that. Like, they were, it was, it was like a little nerve-wracking, <laughs> so... It definitely was. Um, it was It was really, really close. And as an athlete, you have a feeling if you won. And I, I did think I won. But of course, at the Olympics, you don't rely on your feelings. <laughs> so my first reaction was asking Lisa, what, what do you what think? Do you think? <laughs> and she, yeah, <laughs> who do you think won? And she said, well, I think you won, but I'm happy about second place. And um, it just took a long, long time or seemed a long time until they actually had a look at mm-hmm. the uh finish a photo and and decided or officially told us who mm-hmm. won and we were just waiting on the the awards and it was really basically a weird time because i thought well i i would be happy with second as well but it's such a huge difference between winning and being olympic champion and um getting the silver medal. So I had to know what I had first before actually being happy about whatever it was. Right. Interesting. Yeah. In Switzerland at that time, there were only, I was only the fourth woman in a whole Swiss history winning a gold medal at Summer Olympics. Oh, okay. So it was, and the first one was at 1900. So it was really, really special. Was it, uh, when you got home then, Obviously, was it a big deal? Were you on national TV? Were there parades? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was a big deal. As I said, it was, it, it's yeah. really, it was really rare in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And we had about, we had probably about seven medals in total. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a big country. We are a small country. And so Olympic medals are, are not that common. And um, yeah, I, it was huge. I, I got so many messages. I got such a nice um, welcome at home. Um, I was I was pretty overwhelmed, I think, uh, from everything. Is um, I mean, obviously, the Swiss are pretty good at triathlon, though. Has has triathlon grown kind of since you know, in your in your time there? Um. Yes, I think overall it has grown and people know more about triathlon. When I started and I told people that I would do mm-hmm. triathlon, they were like, oh, yeah, it's that shooting and, <laughs> and, and, and 
skiing. I was like, no, no, that's biathlon. That's not the same. And now it's pretty clear and a lot of age group athletes um, do it. But in Switzerland, I think there has been a time with more races and more like um, more athletes doing it at the at a very high mm-hmm. level. But I think there are also waves. Um, and yeah, I don't know why that is. But in general, I think, yes, it definitely has gone. That's great. Obviously, we've talked about the Olympics. That's sort of what you're known for. But you did do... In between those two Olympics, you did do Ironman and Cozumel, right? And you won it. And a lot of people, as they get older in the sport, they move to long course. You like tried it, and they were like, "Nope, going back to the Olympics." Why didn't you? Why didn't you stick with with the Ironman? Um, yeah, I tried after the Olympics in London. I tried different mm-hmm. things because my coach and I just thought it would be um, good to have different challenges to, to keep improving and developing instead of always doing the same thing. So I also went to the, um, European champion championships in a marathon yep. running. And, um, yeah, that year it was really interesting because I did races from nine minutes to <laughs> nine hours to the Ironman. I did everything and it was really, really an interesting season. And the Ironman, um, was I had to do one because I was um, always training with long distance athletes and we were always fighting about, oh, I'm the harder <laughs> athlete because I'm doing long distance. And I said, no, no, like Olympic distance is way more intense and therefore it's harder. And so we always had this fight. And at the end I said, okay, I do one because then I can really compare right. and I can really tell you that. Olympic distance is so much harder. So. Is that was that what you concluded <laughs> after you did your? <laughs> okay. No, no, it's just it's just so different. Right. You can't. I think you can't compare because both you both like at, in both um, races you try to get to your limits mm-hmm. and there are different challenges, so you can't really compare. But to me, it wasn't long distance. Was I think. It would have been really interesting to race against the best of the world to to do Kona mm-hmm. once, and I did ask for a wild card after the Olympics in London. Um, I did ask another time for a wild card, as in if they would give me a, a spot when I would win an Ironman. But back then they had the point right, system, right. so you couldn't just do one Ironman; you had to do more. So they didn't accept, or they said, "Oh, they always said no." And to me, I had a family back then, so. To me, to do Ironman all the time, it would have needed more training time, more more time on the bike. And I wasn't ready to do that, just to have some more time for the family. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Now now they do, like, now they're like, oh, Olympic champion, come do Kona. See, so maybe they learned from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, well, it's actually good, yeah. exactly, because now they give a wild card to the Olympic mm-hmm. champions. So. <coughs> so, yes, they did learn. And... Um, no, I'm completely happy with, with how it went. And um, I think I had a great career, so I'm not I'm not looking back. And I actually, I counted for the first time, I counted my wins oh. in a 70.3 the other day. And I had like 14 wins in a half Ironman. So no one knows <laughs> that. That would be a career in itself. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I mean, but I guess the reason a lot of people move to long course is partially like they're slowing down as they get older. So you've also had the challenge of like, like you said, you've stayed in Olympic distance, which is more intense. How have you maintained like your speed and and that level of, I mean, they're running like 34 minutes off the bike and stuff now, 35 minutes. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think um, I have a pretty good body <laughs> and I have a pretty good coach who knows uh, what he's doing. So, of course, when you're getting older, you have to focus more on keeping the speed and keeping keeping the strength. But, um, yeah, I didn't seem to slow down that much. We just, um, yeah, focused a little bit more more on the speed. But, um, yeah, it didn't seem a big topic for, for no, us. So you, haven't, you haven't had to change your training too much over the years. Well, I'm sure you, like, adjust it. Um, yes. Well, my coach always changes mm-hmm. training to keep it interesting. interesting. Um, so it's never the same and it always keeps changing a little bit. But I think the main sessions, um, yeah, stay the same. Mm-hmm. And then when you announced 2022 is going to be your last year, obviously the, that kind of gives you this whole, I mean, a few like Sebi did the same thing, right? It gives you a year to kind of do all your big things. So what were your goals then for this year? Like what, I know obviously the sub eight, what were, what were the other things you yeah. want to get done this year? Exactly. Like the sub eight was, was really the big, um, the big goal, uh, the big focus. And now I have uh, some more month where I can just do whatever I like and, <laughs> There might be races um, I I already have done and I really liked, so I might might go back and do them again. There might be some races I've never done before, and I I would like to do them. And um, so I haven't really planned what I will do, and I will keep it pretty open. Um, I'm not training like before. I trained three times uh, per day mostly, and now I, I train two times a day. So still pretty intense, but a little bit less. <laughs> Um, I might do the Canadian, the PTO Canadian Open, right. but otherwise I haven't planned too much and we'll see what, what happens. You're not going to jump into the super short, super league type stuff? Um, probably not, mm. but we'll see. It dep- also depends on the family plans mm-hmm. and how it fits with them. And the sub eight, uh, sub seven, sub eight, it's a long name. Um, it was it ended up being really interesting. I think a lot of people weren't like sure going in. Um, what was yeah. it like, kind of you know, on the ground being involved in that? It was uh, exactly. I was I wasn't sure how it would turn mm-hmm. out myself, and and um, it was a really interesting project for me as well. We planned it over two and a half years, and um, it was also connected to to our foundation. The foundation from Phoenix mm-hmm. has the same. Um, purpose as my my own foundation, so it was really interesting to also build up a partnership in those years with them and and getting a lot of kids um, being active and having an active lifestyle. So for me, that was one focus that was already um, really positive before the sub eight project, mm-hmm. before the actual race, and then going into the race, I think the the biggest challenge was to have to find the right team. Right. We could have 10 pacemakers. First, I thought we could use men. And then Sunday was like, no, you can also uh, only use women pacemakers. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that makes the whole thing much more difficult just to find those athletes right. who can actually ride a 47K per hour average over 180K. And a lot of good cyclists um, had to, of course, have their own um, races right. and had to race for their team at the same time. And the, uh, the mountain bikers had the um, national championships. So it was it was really challenging to, to get the right athletes uh, as pacemakers for me. And I was a bit worried because they came from all over the world, <laughs> um, how good they would work together. But then after the first session... Um, in that week where we came together, I was like so impressed and so happy, and I was 
getting really nervous because I knew, okay, this team works and now it's on me. <laughs> and was, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, we put so much pressure on me to have such a team. And it really, that was the most exciting about that project in the end, um, to actually have a team and to see how good they work together and how emotional it was for, for myself, but also for them to to do that project and to be all in like everyone and everyone giving a hundred percent. It was really, really amazing to see. I feel like that's what, I mean, that's what like Kat said a bunch too, right? It was like the, the team yeah. aspect was just so interesting for, for triathlon. Yeah. Yes, it, it was, it was really, I mean, we have the mixed team relays, mm-hmm. for example, we also have a team, but we still do our little triathlon ourselves and then just hand over to our to our teammates and here we really had to have a team tactics to discuss who has um which position who is riding how how far um who is coming also in on the run and you, you really felt it was so interesting to see that this team really um got together and and, and really felt as a as a team even coming as i said from all over the world and and some some of them didn't know each other before and that was it was it was really really interesting for me to see uh did you you actually had like a crash back in february and and broke a bunch of things and then and then you still you know it was sub eight but you guys broke it by like 30 minutes did you anticipate like <laughs> with all the setbacks kind of it being i don't want to say easy but yeah um, yes, I had a I had a crash. I had a serious crash in in February. I broke uh, several ribs and my collarbone, and had a uh, my lung punctured. I had um, other problems as well along the way. <laughs> so the the preparation was definitely not ideal, and that's what my coach said afterwards. To with that preparation, my performance was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was really to show that performance. Uh, coming off that preparation and being 12 weeks short of training was he was really really proud and um it's he's a good judge in that so um I was proud too (laughs) (laughs) what's been obviously uh you've had a lot of different ups and downs over the years what's been the the hardest thing you've had to come back from um it's it's hard to say because I think every injury has its challenges and is different again. But I, I definitely learned over the years. Um, I struggled more with injuries when I was younger mm. just because I was so impatient and so worried I wouldn't get back and um, didn't have, probably sometimes didn't have good advice either. And so that was a big learning curve, I think, to to have more patience, mm-hmm. to learn how to focus on what you can do in injury times, not what, what you can't do, and um, just move forward in little steps and not try and and, and rush. Makes sense. <coughs> oh, no. I know you're sick right now, too. It's just so many yeah, things. Yeah, I'm cold. <laughs> well, as you're kind of wrapping up this year, you know, doing the last fun things, what I'm going to ask, what are your plans after this? Like, what are you? What do, what should we expect from from Nicola in the future? Um, I actually don't have um, that many plans yet because one of the big reasons I stop, as I said before, is having more right. time with the family. So I don't want to fill my life up already now again with uh, with too many projects and too many other things. I would definitely like to continue with uh, the foundation work to go to schools. 
um, teach the kids how to be active. We also have a little kids triathlon series all over Switzerland with 10 or 11 races. We would like to continue this. And then I'm, I'm talking to a few sponsors um, to cooperate, to continue the cooperation after my career. But yeah, main focus will be to just um, enjoy time with the family first and, and settle down and also discuss how our life should look. And I think this needs a bit of time to right. just um, figure out what is best for us as a family. That makes sense. So you're going to take, take, take some time here. I hope so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you look back over the, what, 30 years, 25 years, what was your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Yeah. <laughs> Hard to say. I think it's impossible <laughs> to say that. You know, it's just, I love, I love so many things about triathlon. I, I do like to train, I do like to race, but I also, looking back, it's it's amazing. Like we, we could travel. We were so many places um, doing training camps. Mm -hmm. We went to funny places <laughs> like also Brazil and and the Philippines and Thailand and and the snowy mountains in Australia to train and like really really interesting places. And to meet people, I really appreciate that in triathlon. I think we do have a really nice, um, how do you say, like relationships among the athletes. Mm -hmm. And I still, I, with some athletes, I haven't seen them until, until uh, since London. That's now more than 10 years right. and I'm still in contact with them. So I think friendships, um, people you meet, um, things you learn for your life from sports was really important to me to which I can also use now in my my real life <laughs> um getting to know my husband through sports was probably the most uh, had the most impact right. in my life so there are lots of different things well thank you so much for for chatting with us and for the whole look back and I know it's a uh, it's hard to look back at, at such a such a long career so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is no it, it's very nice um, there was like two years ago, I was in a camp with the national team and there was a birthday of a young athlete. Oh no, it was the other way around. It was my birthday. And she was asking, well, how old are you? Um, and I said, 38. And she was like, oh, I'm half your age. <laughs> and everyone was laughing. And I, I looked at her and said, well, that's great. But you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be that young anymore <laughs> because I was thinking of what I've done in that 18 or whatever years, 19 years. I said, I wouldn't want to finish my studies, becoming Olympic champion, winning the silver medal, finding a husband, marry, buy a house, like found a foundation, found a kids series, and going to Northern Olympics, having three kids. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, I'm so glad I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> You're like all done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm looking back, I'm so happy and I'm yeah, I think I fulfilled all my most important dreams. So it's very nice to look back. Well yeah, that's always that's the goal, right? Mm, exactly. Thanks to Sid and to Nicola and thanks to all of you. We'll be in Roth next week and then back with more interviews. Keep listening and keep training. <laughs>